With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Dave Dufour is in the building. Dave and I are going to be having a little fun podcast talking about defense in the NBA this year. One of my favorite topics topic to talk about. One of Dave's favorite topics to talk about as well. Uh, and we have a fun little concept that we're going to try out here. But first, Dave, how's it going, man? What's going It's going on? great. I got a good tan, man. I was just at the beach and then uh, went and visited friends in the mountains, did some hiking. You know, things absolute are good. Dream. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, NBA was awesome down to the wire. This regular season was fantastic. Yeah. I probably had more fun at work this year than any other season because the games were awesome. And then so many of these young teams kind of showed up like Cleveland and Memphis and Minnesota. So it was great for me. I mean, you know how much I love when young guys can really play. Like it's just a different thing. Well, and you know what? I was talking about this with an NBA executive yesterday. Up until the last – three weeks of the season, basically. It felt like there were fewer teams tanking than normal. And going into next season, we were trying to identify like, oh, what teams do we think will be tanking next year? Or like not very good, like slash inadvertently tanking, right? We came up with like two, man. Like Houston, Orlando, we thought maybe. Like we think Houston might try and make the playoffs but probably just won't be ready yet mm-hmm. and then orlando like maybe tries to make a push but that that's just like an island of misfit toys it's orlando on the roster yeah yeah and like even oklahoma city i think if they get a top draft pick and like maybe bring in a vet they're probably making a run at the 10 seed sacramento is definitely trying to make the playoffs next year new orleans is definitely trying to make the playoffs san antonio is definitely trying to make the playoffs in the eastern conference like I think Detroit, depending on what they do with their cap space this summer, could be looking to try to get the 10 seed again next year. Like, it's a really, really interesting situation NBA-wide up until, like, the last three weeks of the season when teams know they're out of it and obviously things get interesting. And I think that it's in large part because of the play-in. The play-in has done what it was supposed to do, I think, in terms of keeping things competitive throughout the course of the year. And man, we have a really great play-in setup this year. I'm really excited for it, aren't you? Yeah, look, the play-in has been a success. Anything that you can do to make these games matter makes them better. It's just more fun to watch. Like Memphis, look, now that's a team that hasn't had much to play for for a couple weeks but even they keep playing hard because, you know, you got to honor the game. And I think the play ins part of that. And, you know, you want teams to be jockeying for position. Like Memphis has played hard because they want they don't necessarily want to play certain team in the playoffs. And, and I think that when you have that sort of competitiveness this late in the year and from everyone, not just the teams that are vying for play in spots. I mean, today, even uh, you, you had teams determining their seed. And yeah. all of that is because of how many teams were still trying late in the season. I mean, it, it, even the tanking teams tried hard. Yep. You know, we, we've talked about that. We talked about it this week. Detroit, OKC, Orlando all played really hard and made it tough. So the teams that were shooting for the play-in games still had tough games against some of the teams that should have been tanking. OKC yeah, had a, like- a horrific win. <laughs> it's funny like okc i feel like they tried so hard the only team losses. that wasn't trying to win that you could point to and say they were actively trying to lose was the lakers uh no portland as well Port- portland was in but they still won more <laughs> games than the lakers what does that say it's, it's or crazy, after it, you know man? since the trade deadline yeah and the, the lakers don't have their draft pick this year that's what's wild too um the funniest thing man is just like 
even Portland's going to try and win next year because they have Dame coming back. Like, and they have a good pick coming in. Like, they can make some maneuvers. It's this is going to be such a fun off season, I think. And one of the and we'll get back to the play in a second because I want to talk about that. But one thing that I've been kind of running by people who work for teams, and I was talking to Danny Larue about it when I saw him before I came down with COVID, and I'm healthy now. Everyone, like, good. I'm asymptomatic. Um, one of the things I was talking about with Danny Larue and like some NBA executives I know is. I feel like we're at a point now where there's never going to be a normal off season again. Like, I think that we're just going to enter this realm of crazy off season all the time, which has been brought about in large part due to the era of player empowerment in large part due to the fact that contracts can be no longer than four years. There's always going to be a guy that wants out. There's always going to be dominoes after that guy gets his wish to get out. Like there's always going to be a team that decides, okay, we got to blow it up. I think we're just at the point now with the way the NBA cycle goes, we're never going to have like a quiet off season again, I think. Well, free agency is dead. That's, that's the truth, right? So pre-agency now it's pre-agency. Exactly. It's signed the extension and then I don't know, sit out, just don't play um, until you get traded. That's, that's the new reality. So yeah, it's chaos because people just, I mean, the contracts don't mean anything. I I actually think that's a negative. Like this is a bad thing. Because it's harder for fans, I think. You know, yeah, I, at I a certain point, that. yeah. When you when you have to when you have to follow contracts to be able to follow the sport, I actually think it's bad. <laughs> you know, it's not a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it, it, the next CBA is gonna be really interesting because of stuff like that. Well, and the most important thing that's coming in the next CBA is what the results are of this Ben Simmons lawsuit to get this money back. Uh there are a lot of teams that are very curious about the way this is going to go down with Ben Simmons trying to get back this what is it? It's somewhere between like 18 and 20 million dollars, I think. Like I I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch. I look, man, uh more power to him. If he can if he can not show up to work and get paid, that's the American dream, right? Yeah, I would love it. Please. Yeah. Please do it. Uh, okay, playing game. So we've got Brooklyn, Cleveland, and then we've got, and that's going to be in Brooklyn. We've got Atlanta, Charlotte, and that game is going to be in Atlanta. The winner of Atlanta and Charlotte goes on to play the loser of Brooklyn and Cleveland. Uh, in the West, it is going to be Minnesota and the Clippers in Minnesota, and then it's going to be New Orleans and San Antonio. Uh in New Orleans, the winner of the Pelicans and Spurs goes on to play the loser of Minnesota and the Clippers. Is there any of those four games? Which of those four games are you most excited to watch going here? You know, probably Minnesota and the Clippers because I think I am too. Yeah, yeah um, it's an interesting matchup. You know, I, I assume the Clippers will start small, but there there's a debate to be had because Zoo is so mm-hmm. good, and I actually think Hartstein has been really good for them down the stretch. Yeah, even hitting threes and stuff. So I think that that's the most from a from just a game planning standpoint. You got two really good coaches, Ty Lu, one of the two best coaches in the league against Chris Finch, who has done such a marvelous job up there. And, and with Minnesota, the Clippers are going to have to make a decision because I don't think they can guard them. I think they're going to have to try to outscore them, especially during the Carl Anthony Towns minutes. You know, um, That's going to be rough on them. So I, I just think from the strategic standpoint, it's the most interesting one. You know, Cleveland has kind of fallen off, but I don't trust Brooklyn at all. I, I just That game is a little bit of a toss-up to me because of how bad Brooklyn's offense is. Yeah. Um, and as far as the nine ten games, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to watch them, and I, I'm curious to see how it plays out. But Atlanta should beat Charlotte, especially with no Gordon Hayward. That that should be a pretty easy win for them. And yeah. then with New Orleans and San Antonio, I mean, it's like, who knows? That, that's going to be a coaching <laughs> battle, which is kind of insane to say. But yeah. I think Willie Green has done such a great job and been so creative. And Jackson Hayes is this crazy wild card shooting threes now. And it's just like – I don't know. Yeah. New Orleans could blow the doors off San Antonio, but it's the Spurs. And you never yeah, know. I think I think that's a hundred percent right. I'm definitely most interested in the Clippers in Minnesota. Uh, the Clippers have been really good since Paul George got back. Like they look like a team that you know, if Kawhi Leonard does play in the playoffs at some point, maybe like midway through this first round series. I, I mean, like it seems unclear what the deal is with Kawhi to some extent, as it always does, uh, in terms of what his timeline is. But like, if they could get him back, I mean, good lord, that team is like scary to me, uh, especially if I was Memphis in that two spot. But like, 
I'm fascinated by that game. Like, what do you do with Paul George? Do you have him guard Anthony Edwards? Do you try and, like, use Terrence Mann on Anthony Edwards to not expend Paul George? You know, still returning to some extent from his injury earlier this season. Like, I don't I don't know what you do. I, I don't know how you go about kind of matching up in that game. But there are so many interesting ways that both teams could go about it that – that one is just such a fun chess battle to me. I totally agree with you. But look, ultimately, we don't want to spend all of our time here talking about the play-in. We want to talk about defense here. And to do that, we want to talk about all defense, and we're going to have a fun little exercise here. Dave and I are going to draft all defense teams. We're going to go back and forth, and we're going to try and create essentially – the best defense like we can and then maybe have like the fans vote on which one of us created the best defensive team possible. Some ground rules here have to have played this year. Uh, So no Ben Simmons, no Kawhi Leonard, right? Uh, We kind of thought that the idea here is we're trying to create all defense teams league-wide, but also uh, trying to create, like, it's a little bit more theoretical than, like, who had the best defensive season. It can kind of be a hybrid of who we think are the best defenders in the league as well as uh, who had the best defensive seasons in the league. Uh, So – In that vein, someone like Alex Caruso, who didn't play enough games this year in all likelihood to make the all-defense team, we're still going to make him eligible where if like Dave or I wanted to pick him, he is on the board, unlike Kawhi Leonard and Ben Simmons. Uh, Dave, whenever you went about like kind of building a 10-man draft board for this team, what what were you looking for? I mean, I was basically just listing the guys that I have all NBA defense and, you know, a couple other guys just in case. Cause you know, I do positions do matter here quite a bit. Yeah. I, you have Rudy Gobert can't be my point of attack defender for instance. No. So yeah, I mean, I, I all NBA and then the honorable mentions. Yep. We're essentially going with the idea of like a guard, like a point of attack defender, A lot of the time, guards and forwards like wing defenders are eligible at both guard and forward. So I don't think we're going to have problems filling like two guards, two forwards necessarily. Um, And then you do have to take a center, which shouldn't be a problem given how important rim protection is defensively. It's more offensively that you try and skirt the center position, I think. So with that being said, Dave, I'm going to give you the first pick in this draft. Very gracious of you. I appreciate that. So Dave, with the number one overall pick, uh, in the all-defense team draft of 2022, who are you going with? Jaron Jackson Jr. I love this pick. That's a good one. It's a good one. Not where I would have gone, but I like it. Jaron Jackson Jr. should be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year this year. Uh, I know Hollinger. That was his pick. Uh, I think he's been fantastic. What he has done at the four next to Steven Adams has allowed Memphis's defense to be so special. And then yeah. when they go with him at the five, the ceiling goes up. Um, so, yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr., that's my number one pick. So, Jaron was third on my list. Uh, a totally reasonable pick, I think. Here sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Third on your list, though. I like it. Yeah, I really like it as well. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's an interesting selection that kind of kicks off this thing because – so much of this is like schematic in a lot of ways, right? Sure. Like what kind of defense do you want to run? You could run Jaron at the center position. You could run him at the forward position, depending on what your uh, mindset is. I would imagine he's going to fill a forward slot for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like it. He, he's been phenomenal this year. He has more stocks than any other player in the league right now. Uh, consistent deflection machine. The thing that he's really improved on as much as anything is just positioning, I think. I think so often the last couple of years, he's gotten himself out of position, which led to him trying to get into these crazy recovery situations. And he's trying to reach or he's trying to get his body back in position and fouling. That's all gone. He's figured out the defensive game at an extremely high level at this point. 
I think it is a very worthy pick, and he is going to be one of the truly elite defenders in the league going forward. Let's not forget health for him too, right? Like, I mean, lower leg injuries, they can, they can be tricky for bigs and now he's fully healthy. He looks stronger in his hips. He's faster in his hips for sure. He can turn them faster. So yeah, I mean, I just think he's come a long way. His instincts are amazing. You know, his instinct jumped out to me when he was coming in the league. That's why I love him so much. So yeah, I'm really pumped. This is also all about me um, making sure everybody knew that I love Jaron Jackson from the start. That's, that's what really what it's all about. (laughs) Okay. My first overall pick, I'm going Draymond Green. I want a captain of the defense. I want uh, the guy that I think is, frankly, the best defender in the NBA in terms of positioning, in terms of communication, in terms of switchability. He can play center. He can play forward. Obviously, he'll be slotting into a forward spot for me here in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. He is. Uh, he was the best defender on a per-minute basis in the NBA this year, in my opinion. I mean, he, he didn't play enough. He was absolutely incredible in the first half of the season. He carried the Golden State Warriors to a defense that was leagues better than any other team. We're talking like four points per 100 possessions better than any other team in the league to start the season. Uh, Switchable, rim protection, anything that you need from Draymond Green, deflections, uh, getting his team organized in transition. Draymond Green has all of it. I'm taking Draymond Green as my uh, as the captain of my defense uh, as my number one pick here, number two overall. Yeah, I mean, if he had come back, I don't know, a, a month earlier and had been at the same level, this is defensive player of the year this year. He was. I don't even think it's close. Yeah, he he was running away with it when he got hurt. And honestly, like, I'll be honest, I just forgot about him. He wasn't on my list. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's interesting. It, so like, look, because me, he missed so much time, and I, I mean. Frankly, yeah. I it doesn't change my pick at all, but it is funny that I just he fell off my list because everyone yeah. there were a lot of really good defenders this year and when he didn't come back and then when he came back wasn't at the same level easy for me to kind of leave him off. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think I would have Draymond Green first team all defense this year. Uh and The reason is for me, I care more about performance on the all defense team than I do about like missed games or anything, right? Like in terms of the defensive player of the year, the year award, I'm a little bit more, uh, more willing to consider, okay, Mikhail Bridges played well over a thousand minutes more than Draymond Green this year. He should be ahead of that in the most valuable defensive player of the year voting this year. Yeah, But in terms of the all-defense teams, I like to award a little bit more based on performance and make it a little bit more fungible in terms of games played. Uh, and for my money, there was no better defender on a permanent basis this year than Draymond Green. That's my pick. Dave, I don't hate it. I don't, I'm assuming Alex Caruso will be coming soon for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Bam out of bio. Okay, this was my uh, this was my number two. So. Yeah, I, I want to create a Leviathan and Jaron Jackson and Bam Adebayo together as your interchangeable bigs. Uh, good luck. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, it's that's a wrap. A, it's a wrap. Yeah, that's a that's a really really gross pick. Uh, I know it's awful. So bad. I don't like it. It makes me sad that I don't have him. Uh, this is the most switchable big in the NBA. Just straight up. I think that he was the number two best player this year on a permanent basis defensively in the NBA this season. Uh, just an absolutely staggeringly switchable defender. Uh, has improved a little bit as a rim protector. I don't know how I feel about him playing center all the time necessarily. I don't know necessarily what your plans are. I think it'll depend on the way that the draft board falls here as to whether or not you're going to play him at center yeah. or forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the good thing about Jaron Jackson and you know, Bam is that they are both switchable in some respects. So, uh, and they're both good help defenders. So, I think you could get away with having both of them in your forward spots. Uh, it, it's a, it's he's such a phenomenal defender. He's so twitchy and switchable. Like the thing that people people brought up, you know, draft prospects as being like potential Bam Adebayo ish players, and the thing that they miss is how light on his feet Bam is. He's so twitchy in addition to being explosive defensively and explosive athletically, uh, it's just a really, really hard athletic uh, 
you know, player to match, basically. Yeah, he's got a great second jump too, right? Which yeah. makes him such a, a fantastic helper coming over. And I, I think that, you know, you could build a defense with those two guys that was not dissimilar from the Draymond Green, Kevin Durant <laughs> back line from, you know, what was it, 2017 or whatever, when you had, you know, you had yeah. Draymond who was so incredible, not just on the ball, but as a helper. And then you had Kevin Durant who also not too bad on the ball and at that point was one of the best help guys in the league. So I, I do think that it gives you a lot of flexibility on the back line, maybe even a little bit of the LeBron James, Anthony Davis style defensive front court from the bubble where you yeah. had two kind of help shot blockers who were able to rotate around. And then depending on the, how the rest of your defense looks, you got yourself a stew. Got yourself stew going. Let's go, Carl Weathers, baby. I love it. Okay. Um, man, at number four, I was kind of down to two guys. I still am. And it would take me in two very drastically different directions. I really wanted Bam and Dre. I really wanted Bam. I, <laughs> I know. It's Oh, man, that's gross. Because um, I probably would have just played Bam at center and just gone like hyper switchable. If I would have if I would have gotten that opportunity, um, now I think I'm just going to go in a totally different direction. Oh, this is great! I'm going Rudy Gobert. I'm just taking the best guy. That's the move. It's uh, it's weird because when you have Draymond Green, you want this potential to be able to play small, and when you have Rudy, you have to play drop, right? You're taking essentially a guy that, you know, if you build your defense right and in certain situations, if teams go hyper small late in games, I don't love Rudy in switch situations still. I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap on that end uh, in the playoffs where you watch his movement skills. It's gotten a lot better. It's gotten much, much better. He can actually go out there and defend now. You don't have to take him off the court at all anymore. Uh and ultimately, he's the best rim protector in the league. Like, just straight up, point blank. There's no uh, ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's also the best rebounder in the league. Uh, I am going to shut down the paint with ease with Rudy Gobert out there. Uh, I think that that is more worthwhile than the perimeter player I was considering. And, yeah, I'm going to go Rudy and just be happy that I have the best rim protector in the NBA. Uh, he was the guy that was – you know, number three on my list. And I had Jaron at, or no, I'd, I'd Rudy at four, Jaron at three. So there you go. Uh, I mean, listen, man, Rudy Gobert is very good. I think that the playoff stuff aside, which we know is really not about Rudy. Um, no, it's not. Right. That, that team is a, a big dumpster. Mess it's a dumpster fire on the perimeter, man. Yeah. Listen, if anybody on that team would box out, Rudy Gobert could average 19 rebounds a game. I mean, this guy is the best rebounder in the league. Well, it's more down. than it's more the perimeter penetration they get. Of off. course, like, yeah, 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 that's the defensive. But I mean, just yeah. he doesn't even get help on the glass. I mean, no. people won't put a body on a guy, and that's why. I mean, he gets caught up in some of these situations. The Reggie Jackson put back dunk over his back last year comes to mind, right? Now that yeah. doesn't happen to Giannis because Giannis is more physical rebounder, and Rudy is very into position. But on yeah. that rebound, it's like he looks over his shoulder and sees Donovan Mitchell is between Reggie Jackson and, and the basket. And I'm assuming, like everyone else who's ever played basketball, he's like, oh, he'll get an ass on him. Oh, Don, Donovan got him. Yeah. yeah. And then he doesn't. And so, you know, if the guy had some help, I, I think that a lot of these, the warts of Rudy wouldn't appear to be so ugly. But, you know, it is what it is. And he's fantastic. And him and Draymond together, I mean, that's a that's the best regular season defense, no matter who else you fill it out with. I think that's right. And I think that's why you have to start with those two. Yeah. I really strongly considered the guy that I think that I I'm going to pick the defensive player of the year right now. But yeah, go ahead. You, you go. You're up. Mikael Bridges. Yeah. That, that's the guy I would vote for as defensive player of the year this year for what I like doing. it. Um, I mean, I think as, as a screen navigator, yeah. for a guy with his height and length, it looks crazy it's it makes me think about you know when they show an octopus crawling out of a, a 
yeah, fish yeah, tank yeah, yeah, yeah. and do it. Yeah, that's what it. That's the way he kind of slithers around screens, and he does it in a unique way almost every single time. His angle of attack around and through screens is actually really special, and the way he uses his length is very unique. I mean, just to have a guy like that that is that long who can stay in front of guys too. Got some help side rim protection. I mean, I now have three guys who can really help you out around the basket too. So, so this, know, this is fun. We're gonna, you're going. We need somebody to send like, this at the end of it on 2K so that we can see a 45 to 46 final score because it's just all defense. So you're going with almost what I consider more like skilled defenders, right? Like Jaron like flies around and help. Uh, you know, Bam is very switchable and light on his feet. Mikhail is slithering all over the place, right? I'm going with like a super physical defense. Brute force. Yeah. yeah. And, and this next guy I'm going to take is like the another embodiment of that, right? Like, uh, the, I sh- we should talk a little bit more about Mikhail. So Mikhail would be my defensive player of the year. I think that he's the best mix of having played a shit ton of minutes, having been in my opinion, the best perimeter stopper in the league this year defensively on the opposing team's best players. Uh, He's switchable. He is always in the right position. He gets a ton of deflections. Like it's just, he combines uh, all of the things that I look for. Plus he's played a shit ton of minutes. Like that's the thing. He's been valuable the whole season, every single night. I think the next guy I'm going to take also has a really, really great case for defensive player of the year. Um, it, it's just weird. Like, I think Jaron has a pretty reasonable case. Uh, you know, I think there are a number of guys that have a real case. If, you know, you, I think Bam has a great case. He just played a thousand less minutes than Mikhail Bridges, mm-hmm. which is like baffling on some level, right? Like trying to compare those two in terms of value. Like, I think Bam is a better defender in a vacuum than Mikhail Bridges, but Mikael Bridges just played so much more this year. Like mm-hmm. if we're truly trying to determine like who is the most valuable defensive player in the league, I think on some level we have to consider minute load and just being like at, available uh, for the majority of the season. I would go Mikael. I think he's the best mix of kind of everything uh, that I look for in a defensive player of the year candidate, but I would also have this guy in my top three, and I'm going to take Marcus Smart. Now, Marcus Smart is physical. He is great at the point of attack. He is switchable down onto fours. He is switchable one through four because of how quick his feet are and how disruptive he is. I'm just building a defense right now with Marcus Smart, Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert that's going to annoy the shit out of people. Like That's my goal. I just want people to be fucking frustrated. Pat Beverly on the team. bench coaching them. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's a nice just clapping yeah. up a storm, baby. That's what I want. I so, mean, high energy, use toughness. Yep. I mean, Physicality. I mean, the guy like, fights I, and he competes and he flops. That's what I want. But he fights and he competes and he flops and then he gets you mad and he draws right. a technical. I mean, you're going to own the technicals. For sure. Oh, yeah. Draymond Green. Green. Martin, Draymond, yeah. Like, yeah. No, so, no chance. I mean, that's bad defense if you're giving up points for free. <laughs> so I'm just throwing that out there. When we're weighing this at the end, those technicals matter. But Marcus Smart, yeah, I mean, he he could – got a good case for Defense Player of the Year. I do think, uh, you know, if we're talking voting, that Robert Williams, his season kind of pulls a little bit of that weight away from Marcus Smart um, from, the, from the voting perspective. But, guys, first team all defense, I think this year most likely and yeah i mean he's just been a monster for them and he's the point guard that they were looking for well how funny is that yeah i know right isn't it it's kind of like him i said and it years White ago it, i right? said it years ago because of his defense that was the guy anyway uh you want my next pick or, or do yeah you have you're up Marcus go for it. okay <sighs> pains me to pick this guy actually just because he can't play in toronto and uh playing in games matters to me but matisse Thybul has been fantastic and will fit so perfectly this with my skilled defense. Three That's guys. Right. I mean, the nail is going to be the no zone against this defense. Yeah. You're not going to be able to penetrate. We're going to be able to switch every position there. And, right. um, you know, I just, I don't know, got pretty good doublers as well. So like we probably press a little, uh, I'm, I'm one guy away from proclaiming the ability to run the amoeba defense. That's I got I have one guy I need. And then I can do it. 
Well, and it's interesting that you took Matisse as well because all of your guys so far are so good at just like digging down and flying around and just being like crazy disruptive with length, right? And with foot speed, uh, they all get like deflections and turnovers. Like Jaron Jackson leads the league in stocks. Mikael Bridges, uh, you know, gets his hands on everything. Matisse Thibel obviously like gets his hands on everything on a permanent basis, right? Um, you know, Bam is a little bit different. Bam's just more like switchable and stays in front of you, mm-hmm. right? But like you've built such a skilled defense that I kind of love it. Like I, I th- these are honestly like if, this is if I had the I would love to coach this team, man. This would be amazing. If you had the first pick, I'd get blown up. Well, I think I would have probably done something similar to what you did, but I pivoted now, and I'm going uh, on another pivot here, and it fits what I'm going with as well on defense. I'm going to take Giannis as my forward, uh, my second forward. So I'm building just the most physically strong, like – tough, like beastly defense I can between Marcus Smart, Draymond Green, Giannis, and Rudy Gobert. I have length everywhere around the basket with Rudy and Giannis. I've got Draymond captaining the defense. I'm a little bit worried about foot speed, like having, you know, uh, Draymond Green next to Giannis uh, at the forward line with Rudy out there. I'm a little bit worried, but I'm just assuming that all of their length is going to make it fucking impossible to score. (laughs) That's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. I thought you were going to go Alex Caruso when you started talking about physical, you know, because, I mean, I'm thinking about your point of attack defense and and, and having him out there. But, uh, I mean, Giannis yeah. is just a monster. And, you know, motor guy. He has totally. such a freaking high motor. And it's crazy for a guy to, you know, be the, the MVP and win a title and, and to still have that sort of motor. And it's all game long. It's pretty, pretty insane. And, it's one of those things where Bud has to kind of reel him in sometimes. You know, I think they, they put him on a minutes limit partially to save him for himself, but also he goes so hard he can't play over 36 minutes. So, right. yeah, I love that's that pick. Great. I mean, I love Giannis, man. He's, he's, he's a top 20 player of all time. He's great. Yep. Okay, my last pick. Want some – at the point of attack, I want some – somebody who's burly, you know, tough, oh, great man. hands – Great hands. You talk about a guy who can dig down, who can double, who can pretty much do everything. Underrated. Drew okay. Holiday. Drew Holiday. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I wanted. I wanted Drew last. Of too. course that, you did. That's a good one. Drew Holiday, yeah. my point of attack defender. Uh, nobody scores against this defense, man. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a great pick. It is uh, – it is with a heavy heart that you have just taken him uh, from me. <laughs> and now you've got to take Caruso. but No, I'm, I'm oh, probably no. not going to take Caruso. Uh, Drew man, has been fantastic this year. He's been awesome on defense. both ends. Like, I actually think he's, he's probably all NBA uh, defensive first team. Um, he, he really has just been spectacular. And he was good last year. But I, I think this year has been one of his better seasons. I mean, he's just disruptive uh, against oh. – especially – Smaller guards, man. The guy is – he's awesome. This is so hard now. I have to figure <laughs> out who I'm going to take at the point of attack. Like – Oh, man. I, I, oh, I didn't think there was any way that you work. were taking Drew Holiday. I mean, we think a lot oh. alike here, Sam. I, I think that, you know, um, we, we kind of landed on a, a number of the same names. Yeah, yeah, we did. What I need is like another guy that's just absolutely exceptional at getting through screens. Like Alex Caruso would be the guy. Like, I mean, if you're asking for advice, that's the guy I would lean to. I mean, he just well, very similar. I was thinking him. I was thinking Gary Payton the second, maybe. Like, I think I know what I'm gonna do though. There's a guy think, that neither one of us has taken, but I, he doesn't I – don't, I don't know. I mean, he can do it, but I don't know if it's the guy for point of attack. So I'm, I'm, I'm down to two guys, and I'll tell you who they are. They're Fred Van Vliet and DeJounte Murray. Okay. The two guys I'm down yeah. um, Van Vliet's hands are just sick, man. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. He It's like he took Andre Iguodala's hands, basically. The way that he can he can swipe down and somehow – almost always get ball. It's pretty, yeah, and he's, pretty impressive. he's tough and physical at the point of attack, but 
I am going to go DeJounte Murray here. And the reason is length. Uh, I want someone, I, I worry with Fred being a little bit smaller, pairing him with the other guys that don't have as much foot speed uh, on the back line. What happens there basically is what concerns me. I want another guy at the point of attack who's longer, who gets deflections. I don't really have guys like you do that force turnovers all the time, right? Like, Draymond Green, you know, Giannis does to an extent because he gets his arms on everything. Rudy blocks shots, doesn't really force like a ton of steals and turnovers, right? I want someone who leads the league this year in steals and deflections. I I want like a playmaker out of the point of attack almost. So I'm going to go DeJounte Murray. Uh, There are very few guys in the NBA that are as good at being a playmaker defensively, just making shit happen out there than DeJounte Murray is. I think he's absolutely outstanding defensively. Um, look, when we start getting into like perimeter defenders, I mean, like I've really strongly considered like whenever I was thinking about taking just guys that annoy the piss out of people, thought about taking Jimmy Butler uh, for a minute there, taking Jimmy Butler and just pairing him with uh, Marcus Smart on the perimeter and then going Jimmy Butler, Marcus Smart, uh, Giannis, Dre, and Rudy. Like, can you imagine a more frustrating team to play against? <laughs> Like, you, there would be no – I mean, the offensive end we can't even talk about. The defensive end would be extremely annoying. Like you We're would, just going all just, defense, baby. Yeah, you guys would lead the league in technicals for and against. Oh, in, totally. In that instance, yeah. Um, I, you know, I was thinking Herb Jones is another guy that – I mean, it's yeah. funny to say about a rookie, but, like, that guy is a guy on the wing especially. Um, but, yeah, I, I like your team. I like mine better, but I like your team quite I a bit. I like your team as well. I think yeah. that it's – it's probably, I mean, it's a function of being able to pick first, right? It's not fair. You know, it's probably the team that I would have picked, like in terms of the idea of mm-hmm. the team that I would have yeah. picked had I had the first pick. I would, I probably wouldn't have taken Matisse, and I don't know. Like, I probably wouldn't have taken Jaron. You probably would have taken Jaron second. So, like, it would have yeah, been yeah. a different, like, grouping. Mm-hmm. But, like, it would have been a similar vibe in terms right. of the way that you built your team. Well, Bam um, was the most important piece. But I thought that you might take Jaron no, if I took I, Bam first. I love Dre too much. Like yeah. I can't. Well, I forgot about Draymond Green completely. So I mean, I, again, Mia culpa on that. I mean, I may have taken him first if I had remembered. Yeah, I, I can't uh, go past him. On my list. Like yeah. he's he's like one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, I love like, him. I can't. I, have you? You've probably done this. Do you ever just watch a game and only watch Draymond? Oh, it's crazy. It's amazing like, on both ends, dude. Like the guy is a. He is a genius at basketball, and it's yeah. just spectacular to watch. And he, he's a coach on the floor in a literal sense. Like, he is literally yeah. pushing people where they're supposed to go, pointing, yelling. Andrew Wiggins became, uh, you know, an all-star because Draymond Green yelled at him a lot. I love that dude. Yeah, like, listeners of this podcast have to be so sick of me talking about how much I fucking love Draymond Green. <laughs> like, just absolutely one of my favorite players ever. I think he's... Look, like, they're you know, smartest basketball players ever, like Bill Russell, like, you know, Scottie Pippen's probably up there. You know, I'm sure that we could come up with, you know, a billion different examples. You know, Michael Jordan is certainly up there, right? Like, LeBron James is certainly up there. Um, I legitimately think Draymond Green is one of the five smartest basketball players I've ever watched play basketball. Um, maybe the smartest. Like, I, I think that his intuitive basketball brain – is smarter than even like LeBron's. It's just that LeBron is also six foot nine with a six, seven foot three wingspan and like maybe the best athlete when he was younger that the NBA has ever seen. And then also like passes at that level. Draymond Green is like six foot six with a seven foot one wingspan and like was overweight when he got to the NBA and like doesn't have any juice like in terms of explosiveness athletically. He just fucking figures it out. Like he's just the smartest player. He doesn't have the tools. He's just a genius. He thinks um, not three that he steps has, ahead. Right? Yeah, not that he has poor tools. Like he has the crazy length that you need, but he doesn't have like you know all NBA level player tools. And he figures it out, man. I love the guy. Um, okay, to recap, Dave Dufour's team. He picked first. He went Jaron Jackson, Bam Adebayo. Mikael Bridges, Matisse Thibel, Drew Holiday. It's a hell of a team. You're playing Bam at center. That's a that's a beauty. I really enjoy that. It's fun. I picked second. I went Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, Marcus Smart, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 
and DeJounte Murray. Uh, we'll, we'll post these and we'll have people vote on them. And we will let the human beings out there decide uh, whose all-defense team they like better. In terms of if you were building an all-defense team in the NBA this year, based not necessarily off of uh, us trying to like compete against one another, right? But rather just building an all-defense team for like awarding players. Uh, for their accomplishments this year's sake. Uh, how different would these teams look uh, in comparison? I don't think they'd look too different, to be honest with you. I think Draymond mm-hmm. probably doesn't make it because of the games played. But most of the guys that we named are at least in the conversation for for the All-NBA defensive teams, I think. I mean, it, only guy. I mean, Draymond, I think, is the only guy that won't make it. Does that well, seem right? It, it'd, it'd be interesting. So what what do you think they do at the center position? Because I would imagine Bam ends up at the forward spot. So who who do you think Ooh. will be the second center? Well, I mean, I think – because Embiid has be like a, a real case, I think, by the I way. I don't know, man. I think this year for Embiid has been kind of a down year. And I wonder if Bam isn't, isn't the second team center with Rudy as the first team center. Could be. And, yeah. and a lot of that's going to be – you know, if you look at the heavier lift, I mean, Rudy definitely had the heavier lift. And then also Rudy, I think he played the, how many more minutes did he play than, than Bam? Oh God. Not to pause the, the show for that, but anyway, yeah, it I had to Rudy, be a lot. Rudy first team center, maybe Bam second team center. Although you can switch them. I don't care. I mean, I'm not going to split hairs over that. Uh, Jaron is first team. Almost certainly. I, I think yeah. uh, Marcus smart, Mikel bridges and, and maybe drew holiday. Or the that rest that of I your think guys? would be my first team: yeah. Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, Mikael Bridges. Jaren You're really Jackson. splitting hairs at this point, right? Like, I mean, all NBA defense to me, you know, there there are like a handful of guys to choose from at each position. You know, I think you got like four guys pretty much for for each you, position. You know, that, look, what, what I think I would do is I would go th- thinking about this. I would go Marcus Smart, Mikael Bridges at guard. Uh, and then go Draymond Green. Uh, what? Who? How would I have to angle this? Jaron and then Bam, not Bam then Jaron. I was just trying to figure out like in terms of like the center position. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd go Jaron at forward, Bam at center, and then on the second team, I think I would go Drew. I don't know what I would necessarily Matisse? do with that second guard spot. I don't really love Matisse to be honest. I don't. I think he he was a better defender this year than than Embiid was. I think he's over aggressive. I, like I know that he's so disruptive and yeah. so like he, he's a he's a really valuable defender. I just mean it in terms of like we're talking splitting margins here, or right, splitting right. hairs in terms of margins, right? Like I think I would go Jimmy Butler over him to be honest. Um, Dejounte would certainly be like a real case for me. Um, Fred Van Vliet, I think, has a real case as well. What about Mobley? Neither one of us mentioned him, but I and I think that we should have kind of yeah, swooned like, a little late in the year, you know. And, I think that's and, why he wouldn't make it for me is like yeah. just the tail off. Like honestly, I've been trying to decide between him and Scotty Barnes for rookie of the year. I think I'm like pretty much on Scotty Barnes for rookie of the year now because if you look at their seasons, like Scotty was definitely better for the first 20 games. I would say Mobley was better for the next like 40. And then Scotty, I think, took it back for the last 20. So, like, if you're looking, you know, a lot of the time it's recency bias, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Scotty Barnes has been great over the last little stretch here. But you know what? Like, you look at the course of their seasons, I think that, like, they've been good for equal amounts of time. Mm-hmm. Scotty's been one of the most switchable defenders in the NBA this year. I think he's a little bit worse defensively than Mobley, despite the fact that his uh, responsibilities are shifting so often. He's like a chess piece almost for Nick Nurse. Like if they need a point guard and someone to guard at the point of attack, if they need almost like a small ball center, sometimes it's more at the four, but like they can even throw him down there occasionally and make it work. Uh, his responsibilities are so ever shifting that I find the way that he's been able to perform in that regard also while averaging 15 points and like eight rebounds and I think three and a half assists or whatever, and shooting 50% from the field. Like uh, Scotty's been unbelievable this year and look, Evan, I think, you know, has pretty close numbers to Scotty, just like slightly worse. Um, and has probably done better at performing his role defensively than what Scotty has. 
I have like this intense respect for the like way that Toronto and the way that Scotty has been able to act as that chess piece that's been able to move around in so many different ways. I think I'm basically at Scotty Barnes for rookie of the year at this stage. Where, where do you fall on this? Well, that's where I'm at. Um, Is the it? importance of his role. Yeah, I think matters, especially as they've been making this big push. I mean, he's gotten better. And I mean, he's like runs the offense sometimes. And then he's switching yeah. on to anybody, anywhere. And he protects the rim. I, yeah, I think it's Scotty Barnes, but it's really close. I mean, it's, if they did co-rookies, it wouldn't bother me. I think that honestly, like that would be a really fair outcome. Like if, if both of those guys get the same number of vo- like vote totals. Well, think like, about I, the story. I would like season. that. If you think about the story of the season, right? Like I, I, yeah. I don't do narrative for awards, but I certainly think on-court narrative matters. And when I think about the season, I am going to think about both of those guys as, yeah. as, as standout rookies. And it is so close that splitting hairs between them might not even be worth it. Just do co-rookie. And you Grant know what, Hill like- and Jason Kidd, man. You know what? Like, I'm going to think of Cade Cunningham in his rookie season. Sure. The problem is that, you know, we just talked about, like, you know, Scotty was better for the first 20 games, and then Evan was great for the next 40, and then Scotty was great for the next 20. There was never a drop-off from that those two. And this right. is a full-season award. With Cade, he wasn't very good early in his season. He missed, like, the first, I forget, like, seven or eight games, whatever it was. Um and then when he came in to start, he was very not good in terms of just like getting the shooting efficiency back because of the ankle early in his season. Then those next 20 games, even, I thought he was just like kind of figuring out the pace of the game on some level. And then I would say for these last 30 games, he's been the best rookie in the league. Um Strong with someone like Jalen Green. Jalen Green, I thought, was pretty bad for the first 50 games. But over these last 30 games, he's been awesome and like would probably be the third best rookie or fourth best rookie in the league over these last 30 games, right? Um, he's been unbelievable as a scorer. So how do you kind of judge that? For me personally, when it comes to Cade for Rookie of the Year, I think he's a step below uh, Barnes and Mobley. Uh, it also helps that Barnes and Mobley are doing it for – uh, playoff level teams where they're competing for something, whereas Cade is running the offense and has way more responsibility than those guys do, but is playing for less. Same with um, Jalen, right? Same with Jalen as well. Uh, at the end of the day, though, it more comes down to the fact that I think that Scotty and uh, Evan have been better for the entirety of the season. Realistically, for those first 50 games, they were just much better than Cade. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was a little bit too much, I think, for Cade to catch up to at the end of the day. For me, at least, like if people want to vote for Cade because they thought he was the best rookie or like this stretch of 25 games to end the year was the best stretch any rookie had this year. And I think that's honestly accurate. I, I would get it. I just wouldn't vote that way. Yeah, exactly. I think the whole season does. It has to matter. And with Cade, you know, we talked about this on Nerder the other day. He came in with an ankle injury. Yeah. And it was just a slow process for him to build himself back up. And then once he was healthy, he was pretty damn good. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think respect to the season, but it's Mobley and Barnes. And I'm not – man, I just don't care. You pick one of those two guys and we're good. I think you've done a good job. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. I, mm-hmm. Right now, I'm very slightly leaning Barnes, but uh, genuinely, I think that my preferred outcome is exactly what you said. I would love it to be co-rookies of the year. Yeah. I think that would be really great. Let's do it. Like, I, And I think that's a fair outcome based off of the season. If that's how the vote comes out, right? Like, I'm not saying manufacture it, but right. if the yeah, vote yeah, yeah, works yeah, out that way, don't split hairs. Just yeah. do it. I mean, it's just... I would love that. Yeah, it, it's way cooler. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a look. If these awards are supposed to be representations of the season on some level, I think that's a representation of what this season was for the rookie class. Uh, for that's the debate we've been having all year. Yeah. So yep. yeah, the 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 fun one for rookies, I think. Like I would have Franz Wagner fourth. Um, Same. The question's going to be: Do people go Josh Giddy or Jalen Green for that last spot for all rookie? Um, Giddy was great, and then missed you know a 
pretty substantial amount of time late. Jalen really came on like a fucking fire truck late, like um, was unbelievable late. I don't know. Um, I think my immediate inclination is probably to go Jalen, but you know, it's a, it's a question. I think at least. Yeah. I go Jalen. That's my first team is would be Jalen Franz, Scotty, Evan, and Cade. That's, that's my first team all rookie. And so many good rookies that you could certainly get upset that a couple of guys got left off first team. Yeah. I think that's dead. Right. Okay. Dave. Let's get out of here. We, we only had like one minor hiccup uh, while we were recording, oh, yeah. so I'm pretty happy with that. Well, you know, your minor hiccup of being stuck in a hotel room for 10 days, um, and not that's nothing compared to the internet outage that we just had. So, Oh, my God. Dave, tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people. Hey, man, the work. Athletic NBA show. We get the Daily Ding five mornings a week. We got the Slam and Jam on Saturdays now. Like we're putting out, I mean, just so much good stuff on that feed and I mean over at the athletic in general. So check that stuff out. Isn't Schlecht just the best? Like he's, just, he's just the goat. The best. He's the yeah, goat. The slam and jam every single Saturday. Just, it just makes you happy, right? It's like a, that's it's what, a great show. They handed out the slammies this past weekend, man, which, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to hear from WWE or not, but I would have called them the jammies just to <laughs> not step on the WWE's toes. But yeah, they gave out the slammy awards. It was good, man. They're, they're, they're a good time. It's a lot of fun. They're the best. Yeah. I'm disappointed that I didn't get to see Alex uh, in Portland uh, while I was here because of the whole uh, I got COVID thing, which was yeah. very disappointing. It was a monkey wrench in things. I'm just glad that I've been asymptomatic, you know, for 36 yeah. hours now. Or Me whatever. too. That's great. Me too. That's that's what's nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. I am working on transfer portal stuff at The Athletic. You know, keep subscribing there and watching that. Uh, I will be doing some rookie analysis at some point this week. I think I might actually try and write that tomorrow. Um, Just on the full season, uh, write a little bit about most of the rookies that played this year uh, and made a difference on some level. Uh, So keep it locked to the athletic for that. Uh, You know, this will be up on Sunday night for the third podcast this week, which I promised the listeners it just took a little bit of a delay because yeah. of the whole COVID thing. So I'm glad that we got a chance to do that. Uh, I will have three more next week. That is the plan. Uh, unfortunately, I will be on a flight uh, in the middle of the week. I hope back to Australia that will allow me to go home. Uh, we will see. We'll make sure that uh, hopefully we'll get three. The plan is to go three throughout the playoffs. Uh, that's That's the goal here. So as long as... Uh, as long as you guys keep listening, I'll keep putting them out. So until next time, uh, please remember, rate, review, subscribe to the show, do everything you can. Uh, subscribe to the channel on YouTube, uh, Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vecini. But until next time, we'll talk soon.